I'm Bull Durham, and this is Bull Durham's Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I'm going to tell you what, if you haven't had a bottle of this Whiskey Tango Foxtrot energy drink, well, let me tell you something, brother. WTF, what the fuck? What in the fuck did they put in this? Is this fucking cocaine? Oh my God, I have been fucking wired for 36 hours. I haven't shit for days. I am struggling. Whiskey fucking Tango Foxtrot energy drink, brother. Woo! This is Billy Bob from Billy Bob's Dildo Shop. Use code Main Event Heat for 35% off all cock rings and butt plugs tonight only. That's www.billybobsdildos.com. www.billybobsdildos.com. And if you're driving through Dothan, Alabama, look for the wacky inflatable dildo right on the side of Ross Clark Circle. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Main Event Heat Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Weathers. Very special edition. No big mic, as you guys can see if you're watching this. That's if I put up the video. Who the fuck knows? I haven't made up my mind yet. No big mic. He's out, you know, saving cats and trees right now or selling houses, whatever the fuck he's doing. Right next to me, though, is my boy, the one and only, the beautiful Carmen Michael, my broadcast partner at New South. Carmen, thank you so much for doing this with me. Not a problem at all. I am happy to offer Casa de Carmen for your <laughs> for your disposal. I just realized the little family sign by us. Now, my favorite is I added a photo of me and Sting up here, which I'm sure you can't see from the glare. <laughs> That's so good. Just to see if my actual family would notice, and they did not. No, no Sting might as well be family. Might as well be. Well, so I mean, he was there for me all through my childhood. Well, so. and so that's I want to talk a little bit about that because so so yeah, I've talked a little bit on the show before about how New South has been where a lot of my priorities have gone over the last several months. We're you know, very thankful. You know, well, I mean, you guys keep me fucking busy. <laughs> I'd be working for other people. I've had to say no to a bunch of promotions over we, the last couple of months. We just run practically every weekend now. Dude, I was, you know, and I was one of the, so I talked about how before I had came here, I told you straight up, New South was one of the places I wanted to be at. New South World Tour, baby. Yeah, and, and one of the places <laughs> that I also wanted to be at was Viral Pro Wrestling, who's running tomorrow, who wanted to book me, and I had to tell him no. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, but that's how much I, I fucking love New South. And, you know, me and you, we have such a crazy relationship. So obviously, we didn't, yeah, we, we met through a fuck, didn't we meet through a Gabe Sapolsky seminar? I, I think initially. We had talked before on Twitter about how we wanted to get together and do commentary. And then I think it was Gabe, one of Gabe's seminars where we were finally like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of the first Twitter space ones that I think I remember him doing. And yeah, and yeah, you were here in Huntsville. I'm in Atlanta. When you're in indie wrestling, that's three hours four, is nothing. Four hours, not bad at all. No, it's yeah, it's, it's it's about three. It's a little over three. Like if like from this house to my house is a little over three. Florence, that's a bitch. That's a, that that four and a half hour drive, and we just have to fucking run Florence every single month. Dude, what killed me is two or three weeks. No, it's two weeks ago. I had a booking on a Friday night mm-hmm. in North Carolina. Oh, and fuck then a yeah. booking on Saturday night in Rockford, Alabama. 
Yeah, we don't need to go eight, back to Rockford ever eight again. Eight-hour drive. Lord have mercy. I, I was tired. Well, so right that right there, because just like you, I also have really bad ADD, and I change my train of thought all the fucking time. Yes. So just like that right there, you know, me and you, even though, like, we, we met on social media, we just so happened to get started doing commentary around the same time, two totally different territories. It's... North Alabama, North Georgia, and I wasn't even working North Georgia. I was just working South and Middle Georgia at that at that time. But all that that distance, regardless of that, we still we we got started around the same time. We've both been wrestling fans since we were children. We both were spent most of our youths as lead singers in rock bands. Wild, you know, <laughs> just like and literally like the time frames too. A, a different lifetime, dude. Like the time frames was like literally while you were what Thrones of Eden was the name uh, of the band? Throne of Eden. Throne of Eden. While you were in Throne of Eden, I was doing the Broken Standard, that like literally awesome. at the same fucking time. I went and looked at y'all Spotify, and a debut re- album released October tenth, twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty fifteen. The final days. Go check it out. I literally, I think, I think two weeks before that, I was playing uh, an EP release party. At a, at a venue in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That is, that is awesome because we also had an album release show. <laughs> we played the album in its entirety, and then afterwards, I believe we played... Because like once we were done, the crowd was like, we want more, and we're like, well, we don't have any more songs. I have so no idea what we, that feels we, like. <laughs> we ended up doing just an impromptu cover set. We had the venue like, for like another hour, so we, I think we played... Avenged Sevenfold, uh, ACDC. I can't remember what all we played. I think we did Maroon Five just oh, randomly. Yeah. We did Harder to Breathe, which oh, was a fun, favorite. a fun song to sing. Oh, like, I'd love to sing that one. <laughs> I would. That would probably be my go-to karaoke song. That and Dude. Paralyzer for okay. Eleven. What is your go-to karaoke song? Paralyzer. Paralyzer. I don't do karaoke much, but if mm-hmm. I did, so if I wanted to do something a little newer, I would want to do Paralyzer. If I was to do something older. I don't know, dude. Like a lot of my favorite music, like I'm a big grunge kid, yep. and that's not same good here. karaoke music. You know, no, it's not really. really. Not. And I'm not I a. I'm smelling <laughs> like a rose. <laughs> I would love to do that, but no, like I'm not a big Journey guy, and I feel like that's like the well, that's karaoke what, music. That's what white people want to hear. So yeah, I mean, well, and that's another thing. Like so, so I mean, you talked about doing a whole big cover set. You guys, for the most part, stayed within the mm-hmm. realm of rock music. When I would do covers, my big thing was I wanted to take something that was nothing like the music that we played. Like, we mm-hmm. were very much alternative, hard rock, uh, I, not really metal, but, like, so yeah. I, I wrote some heavier riffs. Like, I compared us to Chevelle a lot, where, like, you wouldn't Ooh. call them a metal band, but there's some heavy-ass fucking riffs. Okay. That was, uh, I know you got to have a couple of guitars in this house. We have to jam at some point tonight. Or Oddly enough, uh... <laughs> Earlier, when I was talking about the situation here yeah. in this home, yeah, I, I ended up selling those oh, a while back. I've, we'll I've got, I've got a that. single acoustic guitar now. Oh, we'll have to do something. A man that, that used to own like six or seven guitars, a bass, a drum kit. I've got a keyboard and an acoustic guitar. I know now. what I'm getting you for Christmas now. Oh, I know man. That. I'll take it. Don't, don't think I'm going to go buy it. I've got like. <laughs> I'll steal it. Don't I've, get me wrong. No, I've got like <laughs> fucking 14 guitars, dude, and I don't play any of them. Say, so don't get me wrong. I will commit some theft, but. <laughs> no, I've, dude, I've, I think I've got. Them paydays are light, brother. I th- <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that, too. Fucking. I've, I've, I've said on this podcast before the life of an indie wrestling broadcaster, especially, is not glamorous. Hard. It's not glamorous, but, but yeah, like, so we've, but I, I, I like doing a lot of like 
my our biggest one, if we had anything that fans really liked about us, we did a very good cover, and I, it was fucking good. We did a very good cover of Swimming Pools by Kendrick Lamar. It's funny you mentioned that, because my favorite cover song that Throne of Eden would play, and this is back when I was in the band, it was an original band, yeah. and then after I left, they turned into a cover band, and then they would go play like all the fraternities and sororities, and so they'd be playing it's all where kinds. The money's at. It is. But uh, I remember we opened for Saving Abel at a venue in Gadsden, Alabama called The Steel. Hell yeah. And we were just messing around, and I, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on here. So I'm, you, I'm, oh, you can I'm, say whatever the fuck you want on Main Event Heat. Well, we were fucking around. Yeah, fucking <laughs> and on. we found out that, <laughs> that uh, apparently it's pretty easy to play the real Slim Shady. Yes. It's so, just, I think it's just E and... E and F or whatever the fuck it we, is. Yeah. We legitimately, that morning at rehearsal, I think we played it once, added a breakdown into it, just like on the fly, and then like, let's do that. So we ended up playing it at <laughs> at our show opening for Saving Abel, and it got like, it went over so well. Dude, I'm sure I've got footage on YouTube still of the Broken Standard playing Lose Yourself. Yes. Dude, it's so wild. It's like it's literally we were living the same life just in different fucking area codes. It's weird. Wait, but another another thing, so me and you both, we're around the same age. I'm just I think I'm just two years older than you. We so we started watching wrestling around the same time, late nineties. Early nineties for me. I was actually Oh, you were watching a little bit my, you were watching as a baby. Yeah, my, my grandmother got me started as a baby. She said the only thing that would keep me still when I was in my little playpen or my crib was when Sting was on TV, which comes full circle. It was something about the bleach blonde flat top, the colorful tights, face paint. See, and by the time I had, I had started watching, I think by the time I had started watching, if the Wolfpack hadn't happened yeah. yet, it was about to. Because yeah. I, I had two wrestling shirts as a kid. So I started watching in 98. I had two wrestling shirts as a kid. One was the NWO Wolfpack shirt. Mm-hmm. The other Same. was the Stone Cold shirt, the one that he wore at Mania 15 when yeah. his arms were rattlesnakes and he's holding them up on the. <laughs> it's I had a terrible one. shirt. Design, oh, it's an awful shirt. It. It's an awful, and I love the story that like his, I think his fucking vest got lost mm-hmm. in, in luggage or something, and he just walked up to the merch table and was like, "Give me one of my shirts," and they gave him that one, which is just such an awful fucking shirt. But fuck, dude, it made me want it as a kid. But yeah, I mean, I, I started, and that was another difference, is you obviously, if you were watching mm-hmm. Sting, you were a big WCW kid, which I imagine a lot of people out peep here the, in these parts. Peep the hat if we actually release the video. Yeah. WCW at the Nitro, Nitro hat. Right there. <laughs> but, but I wasn't. I was the furthest thing. Like, I, would, I liked Wolfpack, and I liked some of the cruiserweights. But I, I was a WWF kid. You know I'm a, a big WCW cruiserweight fan. So. Oh my god, dude! Can we just so, talk about that? So, well, one real quick, we were talking about terrible design with the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. First of all, Sting being any part of the NWO NWO made no sense whatsoever. No, no sense. But no with that sure. being said, just having a new Sting variant, yeah, they're just like, hey, we'll just Photoshop his face red and all the existing merch that we have, and we're gonna make three times as much money. I think the only Sting <laughs> figures that I have are Wolfpack Sting figures. I've got the Pop, mm-hmm. which is worth a lot of money yes, now. Is. 
And that ringside collectible one is worth hundreds. I don't have that one, but I hundreds. do have. He just, I think this year they put out a Wolfpack Sting micro brawler. Yes, got I've got that one too. I want to get I the Wolfpack pop signed by him if I ever do meet him. So if you have, speaking of which, he's coming to Birmingham in the Wolfpack gimmick. When? September, I think. I'll get with you. you I better not be <laughs> fucking working, New South. <laughs> ringside collectibles, though, has a Wolfpack figure that. Last I checked, and this was years ago, was at like $250 average. So if you have one of those, that's at least like six broadcaster paydays. So At least. And it, depends <laughs> on, it depends on which broadcaster you're talking about, too. But yeah, I mean, fuck, dude, the pop. I think the shit, dude, the pop is at least mine and your payday combined plus a little bit more. Like, that pop is worth a little bit say. of money. That pop's <laughs> worth a little bit of money. But so, you know, but anyway, I, I did like the cruiserweights, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and me and you were having a conversation recently. Yes. You've been doing commentary for KFW over in Sanderville, Tennessee. And you had talked to me because I had saw a poster that you had put up. Juventud <laughs> yeah. Guerrero, who's the champion out there, yes. is defending the belt against fucking psychosis. My very first KFW show. Which, keep in mind, just about everyone who works for KFW also works for New South. Yeah, a lot There's of, a lot of lot crossover. Of, uh, obviously, ran by uh, Tommy Henry of the Henry family, the father of Kinsey and Kylie. So, uh, I get there. I'm like, is there anything I can do to help out? So, I help set up the ring, help put up chairs. And I'm like, hey, I noticed that you record your commentary in post. Would you be interested in me setting up my commentary equipment here, and then we could do commentary together? And it was, I was greeted with, well, I really actually don't like doing commentary, so if you just want to do it, you can. So literally, my first KFW show, I'm calling Juventud Guerrera versus Colby Carino in the main event. That's so nuts. <laughs> Which blew my mind. That's like, so nuts. Growing up on WCW, the cruiserweights were the number one thing in my life. Like, obviously been thankful to work with Chris Jericho as many times as I have. I consider him a good friend, like, excellent dude. And then, obviously, worked with Hoovy a couple times now. Yeah. Fast forward, on October 20th, and I'm, I'm trying not to slip into broadcaster voice, October 20th in Sevierville, Tennessee. I do it on here all the, <laughs> all the time. time. But, uh, so I'm sitting like this to try to keep myself more casual. But October 20th, Sevierville, Tennessee, it is Black Harvest. Black no. Harvest! <laughs> this year, they're doing something really awesome, and it's a two-day expo. So this time, instead of just having a standard show, which, you know, this is KFW's big show every year. I think they've had, I know, well over a dozen now. But this one... They're making it a two-day affair. Yeah. It's going to be starting earlier in the day. I know they're going to have Hooventude doing a watch-along for one of his matches. There's going to be chances for photo opportunities with Hooventude and his opponent on the 20th, which I knew about a little bit before it got announced and was so hard to keep <sighs> hidden. But it's Hooventude versus Psychosis so for the KFW Championship. That's so fucking wild. And I told a story. I mean, adjust this mic a little bit. I told a story to Tommy Henry, the owner of KFW. And I said, I know you don't know this, but growing up as a kid, which uh, 
for those of you unaware, my brother passed away uh, about six years ago. Um, growing up, our thing that we loved to do together was we'd sit on the floor, Nintendo 64. I've got one right over there. I've, <laughs> I've got the same game. One in my house. Uh, and we would play WCW and WO Revenge. One and, of the best video games ever. And what we would always do is we would be a tag team and we do the tag team gauntlet. And nine times out of ten, we were always a team of Juventude and Psychosis. <laughs> and we had a strategy, and that was we didn't know how to pin anyone. So what we would do it was is a bitch to figure out. Whoever was the <laughs> the not legal man would basically just keep their legal guy on the outside get a count out every time. It worked. It worked. But I told Tommy, I was like, I know you didn't know this, but you know, growing up, Hoovy and Psychosis meant a lot to me, and especially since my brother passed, it means that much more. And the fact that now I get a chance to call a match with Hoovy and Psychosis, that just blows my mind. That's wild. And and I had commented on it like, oh geez, dude, I want to go check that show out. And you were like, you know, Rob. You might be able to call the show. I, I would love for you to do that. I've been, I definitely want I to. have been calling commentary there solo, whether that's in the building or in post-production. And it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I love doing it. But the chemistry that we have gathered it's at New South and Retinal, I think. No, no shit. And I think even like, I think today was a really good example of that because me and you both around intermission so so we're on a loop right now that's why me and mike aren't doing this I'm, i've got two days a double shot here with new south and uh and, and today during intermission me and you both looked at a, at each other like all right we're we're a half a step behind today i can guarantee though anybody that goes back and listens to that show including members of our roster nobody will notice but us and I had that. Well, we're hard on ourselves. We're very hard. Well, and I had that same exact conversation with Negative Lee after anniversary, where I, I had told him straight up that I was, uh, you know, and maybe I maybe I shouldn't pull the curtain back this much, but I had said to him after anniversary, which that show will be uploaded on YouTube. It will be available this Tuesday. This I'm not sure when this episode drops, but Monday, Tuesday, the fifteenth, the next day after this comes out. It, uh, it'll be on YouTube at, uh, at 7 Central. That, YouTube is the plan. If uh, anything changes, it be it'll be else. on social media. It could be something else, and I hope that it's something else. But, you know, we'll figure it out. I'll let you guys know. I always leave links in the descriptions and all that. <laughs> but I was talking to Negatively after that show. And, you know, after the Bunkhouse Stampede, we, we definitely pour a lot of ourselves into what happened after the main event. And, and we, we definitely sold that like it was the greatest slash worst thing that could ever happen in professional it's wrestling. Physically and emotionally taxing sometimes. Oh, very. How much we pour into it. Oh, absolutely. And I told Lee after they had their, their big uh, bull rope match, I told him, I was like, man, I don't think I gave you as much as I could have tonight. And I told him straight up, I was like, I feel like we just got caught up and, you know, the finish was there before we knew it. And, yeah, you know, and I that happens. straight up, I was like, I, I felt like we could have given you so much more. I and felt like that happened tonight with uh, Kenzie and Rolando. It for fucking sure did. So I had in my head, I had a, another three minutes at least. I had a story that I was in. I was quite literally in, in the, the middle, middle of, of telling it, yeah. the story. I was trying to put myself in the mindset of Kenzie Page, who just lost her New South Championship, which she's held for 483 days. And I was yeah. posing the question, you know, how do you recover after that what's on your mind 
knowing that this is your first match without that championship. And like before I could even finish it, Rolando, that dirty bastard, punches her in the face with a chain. Yeah, refs, I didn't even notice the ref waving it off. I was like, oh shit, my bad, fuck. I was like, well, damn, I guess it doesn't matter how she feels because <laughs> she just got hit with a chain. Exactly. Well, and, and then, you know, and Lee just gave me a hug after I had told him that after anniversary. And he said, man, he's like, I can he's like, I can promise you right now. He said, I, I can't tell you how many times I've come in this locker room. And I said, damn it, that was a drizzling shit. And everybody said, no, brother, that was good shit. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can promise you right now, I know how good you boys are. I know there ain't going to be nothing wrong with it when it comes out. And I was just like, well, <laughs> we're going to be the only two people watching at home beating ourselves up. It's I, true. And especially like, say like tonight, yeah. where our last show together as a broadcast team was Anniversary 8. Yeah. Which was, you know, essentially our WrestleMania. Yep. It is our biggest show of the year. It's where we blow off all of our biggest feuds. It's where we start. Where we new blow stories. off our fucking voices too. Yes, for absolutely. sure. Between ring oh, announcing man. and doing commentary, it was calling tough Hunter, speaking. calling Hunter Drake every name in the fucking book after <laughs> after that fucking main event. Oh boy, it's it's very taxing, and I don't think people give it enough credit because I feel like oh, and I'm not naming names or talking shit about any other promotion. There's a lot of... Ind- if I don't like them, you can say it. <laughs> there are a lot of independent promotions that I'll watch their content. And I don't feel like the commentary has any thought behind it. It's yeah inside jokes. It's cracking jokes. Or it's just having a conversation with one another and not focusing not on, the match. on the match. And I see so much of that. And, you know... I've been guilty of it in the past, but it's one thing I've really latched onto because I realized my, probably the musician in me and the artist before that, it's a creative outlet It is for us. Like hundred percent. We can take what we're given in the ring, the canvas, no pun intended. And then we can add our own paint to that. It's a collaborative thing between us and the performers. I mean, what did Jim Ross always say? We're all a band. Everybody in the in the ring is playing the instruments, and we're providing the lyrics. I thought you were going to say, wear your dark pants. Wear <laughs> your dark pants, too. Boy, I have to do it every well, second I did, show. I did, you're going to piss yourself. That's the, Every time I've listened to his podcast, he's just talking about pissing himself. I had to stop listening to his <laughs> podcast. I had to stop. I love JR to death, but my boy, my boy's fucking wild in these days. But no, like you're 100% correct, though. Nobody realizes... What really does go into this? And I and I think promoters don't even realize because if they did, they'd pay us better. But and that's not a I'm, shot. That's all of you motherfuckers that are... I'm just, I'm if I saying, work for you, you don't pay me enough. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't think a lot of people realize... And this isn't us just getting on here to bitch about no. how hard we have it. No, it's not that. It's no, just, this is an important job. It's just peeling the curtain back a little bit and you know, maybe showing those of you listening and watching you know, kind of what it's like. Like, I know for me, obviously, I work a full-time job. I handle all the graphics for New South. I handle all the videos for New South. I'm, you know, in the office at New South. And then I still have to find time on top of that to research matches. Yep. And it doesn't matter how many times you watch people on your roster. Obviously, with New South, we have a lot of talent traveling in from across the globe, Hell, all today, across the country. Today, we had some guys from the Midwest and the hype. I, I, do, I do believe I uh, trained with Seth Rollins. Oh, did they? At Black and Brave Academy. I got to ask Zicky if he's familiar with these guys. That's where he trained. Um, which I had never 
I'd never heard of these guys. No, they impressed the hell out of me. Dude, their fucking offense was so fucking clean. If you're listening, hype, great team. Oh, man, you, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to them before we left. I think they powdered before mm-hmm. before I went to the locker room. But, man, they were, yeah, I was really, really impressed. That match they had tonight with, with Best of Both Worlds was really good. Man, it's if you're not researching and you're not planning ahead kind of different routes you can go with storytelling – then like you're gonna repeat yourself you're gonna, all the fucking time. You're, that you're gonna be you know basically out there in a boat with no paddle yeah. and just no plan whatsoever. Yeah. And there's been shows I've done that. If it's a show where it's all New South people and I feel comfortable, I'm like, okay, like, I got yeah. this. I know their stories well enough. I know that. I know that three years ago at this show, this person hit this person with a steel chair, and I can allude back to that. Yeah. It's like, me and Larry Otto. But, sure. but with New South, though, we bring in people all over. We had MSP make a 22-hour drive. Yeah. Someone who the New South crowd wasn't familiar with but have quickly latched onto. Oh, but they like, were awesome. But, like, if you don't so study up on them, like, if you don't study up on them to give yeah. interesting tidbits or, you know, storyline perspective, then, like, what's the point of bringing in all this talent if you're, you're not – Elevating them yeah. and putting them over. Well, then I do, and and so this is another thing where me and you have taken very similar paths in life, but with key differences. We did, and it's another reason why me and Carmen are better than all you motherfuckers. I don't, <laughs> I don't mean that. You don't give me heat, brother. I don't mean that. But if your names are not Brandon and Gerard, and you're on the Indies, odds are we're better than you. Um, but. Shout out to those two, by the way. I love those. I, of course, I always put those guys. I first they're started great. working with SHW. They are oh, they're great. I love I, I, beautiful I, human beings. I saw them. Uh, I was there a couple of shows ago doing something with Zicky, and I walked in. They didn't know I was going to be there, and they both came up and gave me a big hug. I, I love those guys and Diana. I love I love all three. Diana uh, Just, said she loves me and you the other day. She commented on one of my I love stories her too. that had us on it. But uh, anyway. speaking of which, every promo photo you see of me, I'm either pointing. Or I'm doing this. And if you see me doing this, I stole that from Brandon. <laughs> oh, did you? Literally, I told him That's that too. I'm like, because I never know what to do with my hands. And I saw you doing the I don't know what to do with my hands pose. So I've- I never know what to do with mine, uh, for sure. Like, <laughs> I, I did promo shots at MEW, and I was asking. I was like, what? It was Zach Mosley's girlfriend was taking pictures, and he was just standing there with her. I was like, you guys, like, know what you want me to fucking do? Oh, you have to take candid photos of me, because if I'm... Standing there posing, I always it's look boring, like such man. a jackass. No, it's so it's oh yeah. But you anyway. have to like move in and grab me and put me exactly where. Oh, you're. I've I've told him that. <laughs> I was like literally just tell just just show me what you want me to do and I will do it. I can flex in a mirror all day for gym selfies, but when it comes to getting a promo photo done, just useless. I try to flex in my mirror. Useless, and it just looks just, so dumb. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but but so one of the reasons why we are as good as we are is because we're never done learning. And me and you have yes. done a lot of seminars together recently. Mm-hmm. One of the ones we did, and I felt kind of vindicated in this one, was the that, that Nigel McGinnis one. Yes. And Nigel had said, he was like, look, there's two different kinds of guys. There's the guys that got to take fucking notes for every little fucking detail and got to sit there and do their research. and do, And that's very much you. That is you in a nutshell. And I, he said I had six pages of notes for anniversary, and that was it. Could have been more, and that was whittled down. Oh, it easily could have been more, easily. 
And then he said, and then you've got your guys like Jerry the King Lawler that just show up to the building and go, all right, what are we doing today? I am a lot more like that one. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how I was, I mean, it comes a lot to it, comes down to how we were brought in. Mm-hmm. Being one of Bob Keller's guys, <laughs> you know, which you've heard more than you need to hear about, you know, Bob Keller's guys and what makes them good and everything. But what, oh yeah, I know Kevin Kelly put him over like hell. <laughs> oh yeah, Kevin Kelly said I was better than everybody in the room. But even then, that was nowhere near as nice as what he said about Carmen. I was about to say that that blew my mind. I'm, I don't know if we I'm should sick hearing it. <laughs> I'm fucking so sick of it. I'm just saying, Kevin Kelly is a fan of my comedy. Kevin Kelly is a fan of yours. He follows you on Twitter. He doesn't yeah. follow me. We gotta fix that. Yeah, we gotta do something about that. One of these days, he's gonna find out you're better than me, and I'm gonna be pissed off. Well, fuck, he said it out loud (laughs) from everybody that I was. But, but, but that's one of the things about Bob's guys is Bob will not teach you anything. I'd make that argument about Bob. He won't teach you anything. What Bob is great at is he will tell you, "All right, do the thing," and then you do your thing, and then he'll step back and go. All right. Here's where you messed up. No, he won't even do that. <laughs> he'll say, he'll say, do you think you did well? Because he wants you to know. Oh, no. He wants you to. And look, at first, it never goes well. It never goes well at first. And and that doing commentary with him, he doesn't take fucking notes. He doesn't do. No, he's he doesn't like doing commentary. So maybe that was the wrong guy for me to learn how to do it. From. <laughs> he's been very open. He will do commentary with three people. Myself. Brett Wolverton, who I don't know if you've met. Yes. I love Brett to death. Outside of you, he's my favorite yes. guy to work with. And the only other guy he'll do commentary with is Johnny Fairplay from fucking Survivor. What, yes. What kind of fucking lineup is that? But yeah, he doesn't like doing it. But but yeah, and that's but that was very much whenever I did my first show with Larry Otto. He just threw me into the fucking deep end and just went swim. That's how it was with me. Literally, uh, I was just helping out with production with New South. And it was, hey, you you were in a band, right? I was like, well, yeah. You know, so you're you're, shit works. you're you're comfortable behind a microphone, right? I was like, I mean, yeah. So then I ended up ring announcing pre-shows, and that led to ring announcing shows occasionally when Cody couldn't make it, and then that became literally uh, we had a holiday special in which at the time our commentary team was uh, Jonathan Mosley and our general manager Dump Sanders. How was Dump on commentary? Because I just have this image. He's in my very soft spoken. Yeah, I was about to say like I have this image in my mind that Dump just is not a commentator. <laughs> He's very soft spoken, but uh, Mose was on commentary, and we had a uh, we had a battle royal, which was full of just the New South students, and the idea was whoever won that match would be able to challenge for the New South championship in one year's time. So, it's a big opportunity for all of our students. And basically, Moe's, he travels around. He's, yeah. not a, he's not a New South homegrown. Yeah. And they were like, well, Carmen, you're, you're here at all the training sessions. Like, you know these people. Why don't we put you out there? You know all their names. And I hated the idea. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. Like, I'm going to embarrass myself. Got it's out there. terrifying. Dude, got out there. Him and I had a really good chemistry straight out the bat. Uh, apparently, I thought it went okay, but apparently he went uh, and told them like, "Hey, I think this kid's got something." So, fast forward our next show, which was beginning of January of that year, uh, show up, and I'm thinking, 
all right, just going to set up, work security, whatever. Yeah. And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, you're on commentary tonight. I was like, oh, cool, what match? And they're like, no, like all three episodes of Action Clash. That's what's up. So I think I first started with Action Clash episode 17. At the time, we were using a handheld Zoom recorder, which sounded like garbage. Been there. And I I was like, hey, like if I'm going to do this, well, that sounds selfish. Not just like, hey, if I'm going to do this, but like I want to improve the product yeah. and I work in the AV field. So I'm like, yeah. hey, man, got my degree in recording for fuck's sake. So <laughs> I was like, let oh, me, I was like, let me bring a setup. And it was always, ah, we don't need that. We don't need that. So I brought it one day without telling them for a training session. And I was like, can I just like record commentary just like for fun? And then. Yeah, so I recorded something there, and then I was like, "Hey, y'all mind coming here for a second? Put the headphones on. How them. much better? Put the headphones is. on them and go. Like, oh wow, we can have this. And I was like, yes. That's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> See, it's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, that's no. something I actually pride myself on a lot, and I know you're very good at this as well. But like my post production commentary, you cannot tell that I'm recording from home. Yep. A lot of people, when they're recording from home, it's just uh, going for a suplex, no, and they sound sleepy. I'm doing for the me, same shit that I would do at the building. Same thing. I've got a feed of the room audio also coming to it, so you can still hear the fans cheering in my recording. It it blends together so well, yeah. and you know I've not, done that before too. Yeah. Oddly enough, in my uh, not oddly enough, but Coincidentally, I did put a little Easter egg, not Easter egg, but I, I dare anyone to watch my highlight reel I just posted mm-hmm. and be able to tell me which one of those matches I posted was recorded in post. Well, I mean, I would be able I, to tell I know you by know watching it. them because I, know you know. I work with you. <laughs> I know you know, but it, no, it'd but, be hard-pressed to no, find. No, but that's, I mean, shit, I mean, for everybody listening... Go check out Wrestling at Southern on YouTube. I just did yes. like I just did like a dozen matches, I think, for them that they just put out, uh, I think, last week. Uh, should be getting some more sent from them soon. But, yeah, I mean, the quality's about the same. What? I just what do you got? I had something in my head. What do you got? I was going to say, speaking of things that just got released, we do need to talk about Zicky Dice's Outlandish Paradise. At some point, we need to address some things. Give me <laughs> Give me two minutes. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh boy. Oh, this is just opening up now. Um, so, but but similarly, similarly to you, the reason that I got brought in to do commentary was at the time, uh, Doc Gallows liked me, and I was so fucking lucky for that because if it wasn't for that man, none of this would have happened. Shout out to Doc, by the way. Love love you to death, brother. Worked um, together a few times. Such a love such a good dude. guy. Such a good guy. Um, but you know, and, and I had gotten a spot thanks to him and thanks to all the fans that were that were big into the talk and shop universe. I got a gig doing the, the after show with them, mm-hmm. and we would interview some people. Like we would interview Gallows, we would interview Rocky a bunch. We never interviewed Carl Anderson because he's a little too famous for that kind of shit. <laughs> um, we uh, and then we interviewed Uncle Bobby Ferguson, who's also Uncle you know Bob Keller. We interviewed him, and then I would go to these Larry Auto shows all the time because I was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm working with Talk and Shop. I'm helping them with content on their Patreon page. Mm-hmm. I could do like a Being the Elite style vlog at Lariato. And that's what I started doing. 
I feel like that's where I first got introduced to you. It's not, possible. Not in person, but like virtually. Well, because well, I remember telling you. I know we had you, followed each other for a while. I had remembered telling you about the Welcome to Fucktown song. And yes. you were like, oh, that was you. Exactly. Yeah. I know for a months before we finally brought you in at New South, we were tweeting each other like, oh, all right, crazy. who's going to be the first promotion to book us together? Well, yeah, like crazy we were doing it. And, and then when we had an, a position opening, the idea for New South is we were going to bring people in to audition. And I knew the second we brought this fucker in that that wouldn't happen. So I was like, yeah. let me bring him in first. <laughs> so after one time of yeah. having him in, I'm like, he's the one, uh, dude. Thank you like, very much for that. But this chemistry right out of the bat. Right out great. Of, right out, well, and that was the same. I mean, dude, the chemistry I had with, with Bob whenever we interviewed mm-hmm. him. He was supposed to, and I didn't find this out until a year later. So on that show, because it was typically Bob and Brett Wolverton, Brett wasn't there. I didn't know of what had happened. Brett just didn't get booked on that show. Mm-hmm. And I found out the reason was because so Scott Demore was in town that loop. This was the Aces and Eights double shot. Yes. Then apparently I was at that show. <laughs> they, were you at the one in Rome or the uh, one in, in Lions? KLT. Yeah, Rome. So yes. you were there at my debut. Yes. You were in the fucking building yes, when I debuted. Oh, that's wild. I was dude. I was at the merch who you were. I was at the merch table with Johnny Swinger because I wanted to avoid that crowd because this was still during <sighs> This was still during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, dude. Early. I mean, so this was early 2021. And there were so many bodies right next to each other. It's like 400 people in there. No six-foot so, distance. So, oh, like, so uncomfortable. So I asked Swinger. I'm like, is it cool if I hang out back here? He's like, sure thing, daddy. <laughs> sure thing, daddy. Dude, that's it, fucking, that's just, that's just, that's, that's him. I love that guy. That's just him as I a person. I love Swinger so much. But, uh, but yeah, so like I was there and apparently Scott, that's wild. Scott Demore was supposed to do commentary that night. And they went and talked to him about it, and he was just like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So he just didn't. And then Bob sees me backstage, and he goes, you know, it's a damn shame you don't have a suit, Rob, because I could really use you on color commentary. And I was like, you don't need a fucking suit to do color. Jerry Lawler never wore a suit. Goes, That's a good point. You're doing color. It was yeah. 15 minutes before the fucking show started. And then even then, like, he, I was, I was worried, because I was like, dude, ask Drew. Because if Drew doesn't want me to do it, I'm not... I'm like he's he's I'm not scared of many people, mm-hmm. but that's a big son of a bitch. <laughs> he is very big. By that point, I had felt what one of those slaps feels like at fifty percent. I did not want to feel a hundred percent. So I was like, make sure it's okay with Drew. And he went and talked to Drew, and and apparently at first there was some miscommunications, like oh Leslie Leatherman's supposed to come out and do a thing. So he so then Bob was like, all right, well look, I don't know if I'm gonna have a commentator or par- partner or not. Just sit out here and ring the fucking bell for me. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. And then that first match gets started. It's Johnny Swinger and John Schuyler. Leslie, ne- right. Leslie Leatherman never comes out. And ring the bell. Bob looks over at me. I look over at him, and he just goes, my name's Bob Keller, joined by my broadcast partner, Rob Weathers. And that was it. Ooh, I had to go. I had nice. to go. Just like that. And then I went back, and I, I watched it probably a year after it happened. Because it just like, you know, we, we beat ourselves up, dude. And I went back Isn't and watched it. Isn't it strange watching old stuff back? It's I'm a different person. Yes. I didn't have the voice figured out. I didn't have nothing figured out. Cadence, nothing. My voice has changed so much from doing commentary. Like, So probably the biggest match I've done commentary for to this date has been Dan Housen versus Mike Bennett. That's good. Great match. That I was three months into doing commentary. and I, had- I was a baby. And I watched that back and thinking like, in my head now, all these stories I could tell, 
Yeah. Like, part of me just wants to go back and re-record commentary over yep. it. But, well, like, I went, when we were in, the, in Rockford, like we, like we talked about on the top of this, one of the, the second worst town I've ever worked in. Um, Dothan's number one still to this fucking day. I've talked about it so much on the show, much I fucking hate Dothan, and I'm going to oh, die on that. I like the table. SCU gimmick you got going on now. <laughs> this is the worst town. Dude, Dothan is the fucking worst town in the fucking world. That shit hole. I don't even, want, even the Marriott sucked, dude. I was booked for one concert there, and where was it? It got canceled literally, like maybe five minutes after I got to Dothan. Where was the concert at? I could not tell you. I don't remember. It wasn't by chance the Bingo Hall down there in Cottonwood, no. was it? Because that's no. where we were. Um, but, but anyway, so what was I saying? Fuck Rockford. Oh yeah. So the, the, the Mike Bennett Danhausen match, I had, I watched it that morning. Um, just cause I had never seen it. It keep, it kept popping up my recommended. Mm-hmm. I was like, I gotta see this match. Cause I know Danhausen that, loves it. And that's the match that we're known for. Yeah. That, like that match 60, is 60,000 plays almost. Oh, it's more than that. I think, it, I, I think, think it was so. about 60,000 just for that but, match. That match has gotten us so much exposure to the point where people have come to us wanting us to do shows at places, wanting us to do like podcasts, radio interviews. Yeah, like that was a big deal. And I've and I ca- I got to the venue. One of the first things out of my mouth, I went to you straight up and I said, "Hey, I uh, I watched that, it's like, that damn, match. Damn, you sucked earlier. back then. I didn't say that. <laughs> I said uh, I said I said you were pretty early in, weren't you? And you were like, "Yeah, I was like three months in. I was like, "Yeah, I could tell the confidence wasn't there." It wasn't. It was not. All. There was zero confidence. It wasn't whatsoever. There was zero the emotion voice, in your broadcast partners. The voice, the what? voice just wasn't there. It was, and it's something I've grown gradually into. Yeah. When I first started, it was more conversational. Like, yeah. Obviously, I would, you know, when the time was right, I would raise my inflection. I would, I would get louder and be like, "Oh my God, this move!" But like, but we learned there wasn't. We learned Based the timing. The yeah, were, yeah, yeah. We learned the timing. We learned, you know, when you're supposed to be up, when you're supposed to be down, when it's appropriate to tell the story, when you should be focusing on what's exactly. going on in ring. We figure it out well, as we go. There's a difference because, like, when I first started, it'd be talking like this. Like, I did, you know, Dan Housen going for a German suplex connects, and like now it's like Dan Housen grabs him from behind and then can he get it? Can he get it? Dan Housen with a suplex. Like, yeah, build, exactly. You build up to it, and you have to yeah. like have your ebbs and flows. And like, yeah, if I could go back and tell myself that, I would. But yeah. we don't have that luxury. Speaking of ebbs and flows, and going back and telling people shit, uh, Outlandish Paradise, <laughs> which you just brought up. All right, my ass went viral. <laughs> so and nobody knew it was me, which is the best part. <laughs> so we're just now starting. We I have nothing to do with it. I was just there pressing play on the music. It's true. But um, I should have been doing a lot more. I might decide if I want to say anything about that or not. Um, so those those matches are finally starting to get uploaded now. Um, they took – we filmed them Memorial Day weekend, so months ago, back at the end of May. What a hell of a weekend. Oh, boy. I was at Paramore the night before. Yep. Did the morning show for – Zicky Dice's Outlandish Paradise at MomoCon. Left straight from there, drove to Kentucky for a tryout seminar for WWE, then drove back down for another show I had. So it was a long weekend. But that's that's the hours we put in. The most eventful thing happened. So, so yeah, like, so you would come at MomoCon. So uh, I, I. 
Zicky's name gets brought up here quite a bit because he is so important to my life and my career, and he is one of my best friends. And I love him to death. And this is a sentence I've also said to him, but sometimes I hate him almost as equally. <laughs> so he's the most unorganized, organized person I've ever seen in my fucking life. We had literally, I think just days before that show, we're on the phone with you. I was at his house because he kept saying how, he's like, we got to get the sound system figured out. He hey, was asking are, me, are you providing audios? Yes. Yeah, like, he, and he was asking me, like, he was like, do you have it? I was like, dude, I got a guitar amp. I don't have like a fucking PA system or nothing. So I was like, I know a guy. I was like, literally anything that we fucking need, I could almost guarantee you Carmen either has yeah. it or can get it. So then I finally was like, after weeks of him just not reaching out to you, like I told him to do, I was like, let me fucking call the guy. And then we got you on the phone and figured it out. And then you still, like the day before the fucking show. He calls me. He's like, hey, man, the venue's providing audio. I was like, okay, cool. I'll still be there. Like, I can help out however you need me to. Yeah, so you came and hung out. And I told you, I was like, I wear a black shirt just in case we need a camera operator. Because he was telling me we might need Mm -hmm. camera operators. You get there. I was ready. You get there. We've got like four. I I was ready. I was like, what the fuck happened to that? I thought we need a camera operator. I love you, Zicky, but I fucking hate I you. I told him, I was like, um, camera op, security, whatever you need. And well, we it turns did, out. We, we didn't need security for the longest part. Well, it turns out eventually. <laughs> so we do the show, and I don't think I've really talked about it here on the, on the podcast before. Ooh, but let's we, spill the tea. So we do the show, and there was this big viral moment at the end of the first taping. So we did two tapings a day for three days. You were only at the first one, and... Thank God that was the one you were at, because that's the one we needed you at. This fucking guy, Lord, massive individual, probably at least 6'1", 6'2", probably 350-pound, big motherfucker in a Spider-Man costume, Spider-Man. decides he wants to go into business for himself, hits Dylan McQueen, which we didn't see. First of all, there are so many misconceptions that go around about this clip. I see so many, oh, so many people that think so they many, know exactly what so happened. many tough guys on social media. Like, if I was Dylan, I would have knocked him out. Or where was security? First of all, the venue there didn't. Was none. The venue didn't give us security. No, security was me standing there in a black t-shirt, just hoping nothing happened. Yeah, basically, nobody saw what happened with Dylan. Nope. Dude rolls into the ring. With the, crowd, Dan- the crowd's all chanting Spider-Man. They're going so nuts. Like, and he's in the ring with Danny Jordan. So we're like, this is the perfect ending to the show. The crowd's all chanting Spider-Man. This is where the Twitch feed would go off. Thanks, folks, for tuning in. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. We'll see you next time at Zicky Dice's Outlandish Paradise. Like, yep. In theory. In theory. <laughs> so we had Danny. So, so let me give a little bit of backstory. We've got Danny Jordan in the ring. Very First match back. First match back. Very popular female wrestler here in Georgia. Made several appearances on AEW Dark. Danny Jordan has not wrestled at this point in at least a year, maybe I think, longer. I think it was a year and a half, maybe. She had a car wreck, I want to say. Injury. Um, you know, I see Danny all the fucking time, and I guess that's just how well we don't know each other because we don't really <laughs> talk about anything like that. But uh, but yeah, so she was she was out for a while. This is her first fucking match back. Already, and this is a big part that motherfuckers don't know about, and this is one of the reasons, and I'm not scared to say it, I ain't no bitch. One of the reasons why things went the way they did. Zicky decided to play a rib on Danny Jordan. Danny Jordan's supposed Lord. to wrestle <laughs> supposed to wrestle Brooke Havoc in this match. Danny did something that Zicky didn't like. I don't know what the fuck happened. I wasn't there. But he tells me, hey, when Danny and Brooke get in the ring, play Dylan McQueen's music. 
and I said, why, Ziggs? <laughs> and he said, I'm turning it into a triple threat, and I'm not telling Danny. And I went, "Did you do you realize wrestling's a work? Like, you realize that, like, she kind of needs to know that? She can't just call a yeah. triple threat on the fucking fly. He didn't care. So that's what happened. And I, I hit I hit Dylan's music. She looks directly over in our direction. I just mouthed, I'm so fucking sorry. And I told Zicky several times, I said, I'm not about this. I don't like this whatsoever. I do not condone this. I did not. I made it very fuck. I told everybody involved. I said, I don't like this at all. And I don't think we should do it. But they do it. They have a good match. Dylan got fucking stiffed a couple of times, you know. No. Yeah, stiff. That binder, some of those binder shots were pretty fucking stiff. <laughs> the burn book. <laughs> right across the fucking face, dude. Me and you were wincing bad. Like, oh, shit, that was a stiff one. But so the match ends. Everything goes fine. The match was good, entertaining. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know unless you just heard me say it. But so then the Spider-Man thing happens. Spider-Man gets in the ring with Danny. Nobody knows what's happening. Danny's very confused. She thinks it's another fucking rib. And everybody's like, why the fuck didn't she get out of the ring? She didn't know what the fuck was happening because we had just ribbed her 15 minutes before. She thinks it's another one. I look over at Zicky, who's, you know, maybe 10 yards to the right of me. And me and you were sitting behind the fucking sound booth, and we Dude, were like, I was, what the fuck? I was ready. You can ask Rob. I'm leaning. Oh, I'm leaning forward. I'm like, he was I'm about to go. For it. I'm about to go. We, I'm about to go. We, and I and I was like, wait a second. And I looked over at Zicky, and he's looking in the ring, smiling. Well, the crowd is chanting Spider Man. People are on their feet. There's a thousand people here taking pictures, wow. taking videos. Huge. Danny sees what's happening and says, "Okay, I'm gonna try to de-escalate this quickly." She goes over, picks up his hand, says, yep. everyone, Spider-Man, yay. Okay, now you need to leave. Get the fuck out of the ring. And he never does. Well, he starts to and then stops and turns around. And before you can really process what's happening, she is quickly on his shoulders. And the clips that are all going around, you can't see. I know... One of the uh, roaming cams got great footage, great footage of me. The second he, the second he, the second he is like motioning down. I'm Carmen's gone. <laughs> I don't even have enough. time. I know that to, sounded great with me bumping the mic, but I fucking. Flew. I don't even have enough time to look at Carmen and say go. Get I was out. He I was, was waiting for a reason to get in that ring. <laughs> oh, he was gone with the quickness, and then we and, pull this fucking guy to the back. No, hold on, real, real like, quick. So you get in there. So I get in the ring, and I'm ready to tackle the dude, yeah. and I'll lunge forward, and he drops down and sits on his ass and just looks up at me, just like terrified and confused, and he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I was like, sorry doesn't fix anything. Get the fuck out. Yep. And I start to roll him out of the ring, and he's he was basically, I can't remember the exact words, but it's something along the lines of he didn't know. It's like, I didn't know, I didn't know. He thought so, he was trying out. Yeah. So, in the process of them taking him to the back, Very of course, like, way. every... First of all, if that happened to any of our wrestlers, anyone in the locker room, the boys are going to take care of it. Oh, absolutely. But the fact that it was Danny, first match back... Oh, yeah. You know, obviously much smaller than this guy. Oh, yeah. They were... Uh, they were amped up. I'll say that. So I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it to you this way. These are the guys that, that carry this dude. And like I said, this is a big fucking dude. 6'2", probably, 350 maybe. Zicky, Lord Crew, who literally looks like a fucking bike gang, like a biker gang leader. 
and Zach Mosley all grab this three not small individuals all grab this fucking dude and are dragging him by his shoulders we get him in the back me and you wind up getting back there shortly after and we all realize pretty quickly it's apparent not there it's apparent because like one he the way he was like almost wailing and like as they were dragging him we're like hold on a second very let's let's just get him in the back make sure we don't have an audience just watching on as we talk to him we get to the back. He pretty much stands up and is like, can I go? And we're like, no. Like, we, we, we need to have a conversation. Like, here's why what you did was wrong. You can't be doing that. It took Mosley a minute to realize that he was, you know, maybe on the spectrum because Mosley's still cussing him out and screaming yeah. at him. <laughs> I had to go and say, brother, come on. Like, fucking, let's get this, let's get this do some space. It, it was an unfortunate situation. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. Yeah. Uh, like you had mentioned, uh, this gentleman was differently abled, yeah. uh, had something mentally. And I know Zicky has had a lot of experience working with disabled folks. And just, yeah, so he knew he knew real quick. He was like, fuck, this is going to suck. Yeah. He knew and, it's, and it's unfortunate because no matter which way that would have gone, you don't do anything and then it's, Could've been well, if I, that was me, I would have fucked him up. All on Twitter because everyone... But then on the opposite side, you know, just Lord Crew was there. Say Lord Crew throws a punch, and then it's, well, he just beat up a disabled man. Like, there's, yeah. it's lose-lose. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, and it was, and dude, and, and it's one of those things, you don't really know what the fuck you would do until you're in that situation. So I haven't been in. I, I was proud of how he handled it and how we all came together. Honestly, it really was probably it was, the best way to do it. It was a uniting experience. I had <laughs> just a week before that, had a guy try to get in the ring and this was different. He was drunk and was trying to impress some girl he was with. And he got As in the ring. Does. I go to stand up. I'm just, it's, it's at Southern state. So it's just like with new South, I'm nowhere near the ring at broadcast. Mm-hmm. I go to stand up and it doesn't matter. Cause fucking murder one, Joe black and the Kim way are in the ring and they're all beating the fuck out of this dude. And I just sit down and I don't need to do shit. And then we see this happen. I'm stuck behind this fucking sound. Right. Oh no. Dude, I Here froze. we go again. I fucking froze. I'm not even going to bullshit. Like, when you, by the time, like I said, by the time you would hit the ring, like, like, you were in the ring before blink, I even realized what was happening. Blink and you miss it. You were in I, the fucking ring pushing the dude down before I even knew I what just, the fuck was going on. I felt like I was back in my basketball days. <laughs> you went, I mean, you had the defense up. You had, mm. you had it up ready. I was ready, man. I was leaning forward. And as soon as I got in that ring and he dropped down, I was like, ooh, wait a second. Something's not clicking here. Yeah. And then that's when we started putting the pieces together, so. But yeah, so that's, you know, it's not a, this is not a glamorous life. Sometimes it fucking sucks. Sometimes you have to make tough decisions. Sometimes you got to be a part of some shit you really don't want to be a part of. Sometimes you're very ready to go home because you're running off of hours of sleep. And then you still have to break everything down. That dude, I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> tomorrow night, oh boy. Let's talk about that because tomorrow night, yeah, obviously, this is, how, this is how we're going to wrap the show. Obviously, up right obviously, this is going to air after the show, but yep. tomorrow night we are running at a, well, it's a traditionally a music venue. This is a bar that almost exclusively has bands, and part of that is they have an idea that bands play from eight p.m. to twelve p.m. So they bring in New South, and they say, "Awesome!" So y'all are going to have your show from 8 p.m. to 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. rather. And we're like, well, it doesn't really work that way for wrestling. Like 
Uh, we typically start our show 7.30. We're done by like 10.30 and the 8 to 12. Yeah. And we didn't have an option, so I'm we're making the not, best of it. I'm not happy. <laughs> we're making the best of it. We're going to tape two episodes of Action Clash, yeah. take a brief intermission, and then here's, here, here's what I'm excited about. We are going to have a brand new show called After Dark. Not a not a uh, running show, but a standalone. Yep. It should be fun. Should be. Now, probably going to hear a lot of yawns, but. <laughs> oh, for fucking sure, dude. I didn't sleep no. last night because I was, you know, I was a little. I don't know if I was excited about the loop, but I definitely mm. had the loop on my mind, so I didn't sleep at all last night. Tonight, I'm not in my bed, so I'm not going to fucking sleep. And then tomorrow, I'm going to try my best to get out of there at midnight Central Time. By the way. And then drive back to Georgia and hope Lord. that I'm at home before 5 a.m. You might beat Sunrise. I'm going to try my fucking best. <laughs> and I'm not crazy about it. It's, I feel like the taping is going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be very unlike anything we've done at New South because obviously the time thing, but like our fans aren't used to staying that long. No. I have. I'm not. I oh, have a feeling. I have a feeling because I've worked. I've ran sound at this venue so many times. I have a feeling our fans are going to leave probably after the Action Clash tapings. And then After Dark is probably going to be a lot of rowdy bar patrons who see the freak show on the poster and say, "Ah, that looks fun. I'm going to go do that. All right, guys. Well, we're going to get a little fucking loose and a little freaky here in the next couple hours. They get very loose at Shack Nasties. Oh, Oh, (laughs) very loose. Dude, after some of the experiences we've had to deal with at Singing River, I don't know how much more I can take. Brewery shows, there's a fine balance because at the brewery shows, our crowds are always great. They are always loud. They are into the show. They're chanting, chanting, take it off at me. Which I mean is weird. Yeah. But I started I started that the last time we were here in Huntsville. First of all, anyone who's chanting my name at shows, I appreciate it. It doesn't go unnoticed. But I want to keep the focus in ring, so (laughs) Yeah. You can just take your fucking shirt off and maybe they'll stop. No. Maybe they'll stop. But uh point being, like occasionally, you know, when the beers are flowing, the uh fans get a little Well, they, they missed the assignment. Yeah, that's the nice way to put it. I was They're like, say, oh, we can yell whatever we want. I was going to say, you no. guys get fucking stupid. Yeah. But, like, the first two times we were at Singing River, with me at least, the so Southern Hostility and Banger Things, I was like, it's a great venue, it's a great town, I don't even mind the drive, good fucking crowd. And then I come back for Americana. Lord. And then I'm that's like, where it started Carmen, to go. what the fuck has happened? <laughs> Why? I don't know. Where did half of the crowd go after intermission? They were drunk, and I found out that that group used our wrestling show as their pregame. So they came and they're like, oh, this will be fun. And then afterwards, they're like, all right, this is this has been great. Let's go to another bar. So that's why just a third of our audience just yes. disappears. 40 people in a group. 40 people. Fuck. All drunk off their ass. Oh, they sure the all fuck heckling, were. picking chairs up over their heads. This guy had yelling to get the up. most outlandish things. This guy got up mid fucking match to take a chair out of a fan's <laughs> hand. I just, it's funny because I just took my headset. I was like, <laughs> it was, 
cut it out. Dude, like, what the fuck happened that <laughs> night? And then we go back for this last one. It wasn't much better. Like, it was... Well, first of all, we're packing a lot more bodies in there for anniversary week. It was double the size of our typical shows do you, there. Do you, by chance, have the the head count of that I show? I do not, but I can find out. Because it was... It, it was packed. Oh, Commentary dude. was completely surrounded. It made it oh, difficult yeah. getting out to go into the ring for ring announcing. It made it difficult but, to see the fucking ring. <laughs> especially when the people directly in front of us were standing up. Yeah. And I do recall, I was like, hey, y'all, like, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but if you could sit down, like, we need to be able to see the ring to do our job. And whoo, you tell a drunk person what to do, and they don't like Dude, it. Dude, I would have slapped the shit <laughs> out of that motherfucker. What did you say he said to you? Something like, was, like basically trying to this, Randy Marsh. I thought this was America. I thought it was America. Thinks he's and fucking the, funny. I'd have And the girl him. with him was like, Jot. I don't know his name. He's like, Josh, Josh. Stop, stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stop. <laughs> Dude, I had a fucking wrestling at Southern. I did one show for wrestling at Southern in person, and this one motherfucker would just keep standing in front of me the whole show, and his wife kept trying to the same shit. She gives like, sit down. You're in front of the fucking guy who needs to see. He didn't give a fuck. And then in the main event, he finally sits down, and then he just starts picking up this fucking kid. I don't know if he just took it or where, whatever happened, but he's got like this four or five-year-old kid. Just he just keeps picking up and holding the air like, hey, wrestlers, look at my child. Folks, if you can take anything away from this podcast, it's don't pick up random children. Don't pick up random children. Nick Gage stole a kid. That's right. I forgot about my favorite line on commentary thus far this year. Nick Gage picking up a child at our show at GCW versus New South, and you on commentaries, I think he just stole that kid. Hey, he just stole that kid. <laughs> Just as nonchalant as possible. Real real quick, I'll tell my favorite drunk patron story, and then we can wrap up or whatever we need to do. But uh, I was doing a show in Atlanta for a uh, promotion called On Tap Wrestling on Global Fight Pass. That's a Varga. Franco Varga, yes. Hell of a dude. I love working for him. Uh, So in between the matches, I'm getting some social media footage. I'm... Making sure the camera doesn't see me, but I'm like getting pictures and videos. And this <laughs> older black gentleman, I would say teetering on the edge of elderly. It's probably like late 50s, maybe yeah, early 60s. Uh, he had had a few beverages. Sure. And he comes up to me, he says, Man, you, what was it? Oh, you sound like you, you're one of them ring announcers on TV. I'm like, well, I, I am a ring announcer on TV. He's like, no, no, no. I mean, like, like a real one. I mean, like, like a real ring announcer on TV. And I was like, I well, that. I am a real ring announcer, and I can be seen on TV. Like, yeah. And he like didn't understand what the thing was. Which, to be fair, like, I understood what he was saying. He's like, man, you should be in WWE, or yeah. you should something like that. But the fact is that. You're like one of those real ring announcers. It was like almost, I didn't get offended. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's trying to give you a compliment. He's it was, just not it doing it. It sounded backhanded. Job. Yeah. I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but it's coming across very condescending. Yeah. Like, oh man, you sure do pretend well. <laughs> and that's wrestling, folks. And this has been the main event heat podcast. R A S S L I N. That's wrestling. Wrestling, baby. That's the perfect way to wrap it up. Um, follow me on social media at Sweet Sexy Rob. 
at Carmen M. Childers. Carmen M. Childers, yes. Follow, follow on, Carmen. On the X. You know, real quick, before we before we wrap up completely, I'm going to put you over oh, one, shit. one time. I try not to Never do again. too much. I try not to put you over too much because <laughs> I need you like not to get too big. Just humble me. Yeah, humble me. Yeah, you got you to gotta calm the fuck down is what you got to do. We had a, a Learn couple, how to talk, boy. So over the last couple of weeks, especially, I've been noticing it. A lot of people have been putting you over for your work ethic. And you know, you sent me this morning, you sent me a post, uh, a comment that somebody had shared under one of you, but you were so happy about it. It, and it warmed the cockles of my heart. Completely. And you, you're a hardworking son of a bitch. And my wife asked me a couple of weeks ago when somebody, somebody had said something. I don't know if it was at their anniversary or what show, but somebody specifically was talking about you. And she said, does it ever make you mad? whenever people talk about how hard of a worker Carmen is and not you. And I laughed and I said the furthest from the fucking truth. I said, number one, you will never, ever get an argument out of me that says Carmen works way fucking harder than I do. <laughs> That's number fucking one. If people are, if we're talking about who's hard working, Carmen, all fucking day. The, the hardest you. worker, not just at the booth, we've talked about it already on here. You, you can do anything. If you need something to get your wrestling show off the fucking ground, odds are this guy can, he's got it, whatever you fucking need. And I told her, I said, hardworking, no. I said, now, if they want to go off your talent, here's a fucking thing. <laughs> I was like, we was talking about talent, your boy gets brought up. That's what fucking happened. Now, if anybody wants to talk about damn, so this dude sounds really fucking good. This dude's got a voice like a, like, like fucking, like Barry White. Man, you sound like That's Walker me. Stewart. <laughs> That's going to be the fucking new standard, That's too. That's going to be, but thankfully I'm the broken standard. I ain't got to worry about that. How's it going, everyone? This is Walker Stewart. <laughs> you still like, can't get deep enough. Dang. You still can't get deep enough. I just love so much. You hear him for two seconds in my highlight reel is when I make the fake taxi joke and you just hear him, ha ha. <laughs> That's pretty that on brand his, for Walker. That was his appearance in that. But, but anyway... At Sweet Sexy Rob, at Carmen and Childers. He's not here tonight, but he is still very much a part of the show. At Big Mike Sells. Shout out Big Mike. Big Mike sells houses. He sells houses because he couldn't cut it in the fucking wrestling business. Oh. That was a promo. Oh, brother. I'm going to... One last thing. We, we're not stopping when we should be. So, Mike, um, and he's probably... I don't know if he's going to care if I tell the story. I don't give a fuck. It's my show. Ooh. It's my show. I brought him on. Mike, you remember that. <laughs> but you killed your show to come be on mine. So Mike got a lot of heat coming out of MEW, basically because he was the fall guy. That was his job. He wasn't He wasn't the booker. He wasn't the promoter. Like He was He was just the guy that everything got put on. Was he the guy I talked to? Yes. Because originally our commentary yeah. debut was going to be at MEW together. Yeah. Well, and then they gave me buff, and then I was just like, I uh, guess if I'm going to get replaced well, by anyone, I told anyone, him, I, told him I was like, I was like, Carmen can still ring an ounce. So we, that, you were supposed to come <laughs> in and do that. But anyway, but uh, you know, Mike got a lot of heat for stuff that had nothing to do with him. It was all stuff that had to do with the actual owner of the company. It's just Mike was the fucking fall guy. And there was this big frat show that Zach Mosley was running. Yes. I was supposed to be a part of it. I wound up pulling out yes. because I had, to, I had other obligations that were actually going to pay me. So I had to go do them. That's no offense. That that's not that's not throwing shade. I know how that <laughs> that's came. That's the out. wrestling business. That was the that was, a, that it was agreed upon that they didn't. You know, he was like, "Hey, we were supposed to run the show with MEW. We couldn't do it. He was running it out of pocket." That's, that's the wrestling business in a nutshell. Yeah. That was it was agreed upon. I'm not talking shit. But I had an opportunity to go make money that day, so I went and did it. And during the build up for that, 
Cornelius Pepperbottom cuts a promo, and he says something about how, you know, I'm, I'm going to make you run away from – he was talking about whoever he was wrestling that show. He's like, I'm going to make you run away from the business and go sell houses like somebody else. Oof. And I got so fucking pissed when I saw that promo, dude, because I was like, Mike didn't do shit. He, like, he didn't do jack shit to any one of you guys. He couldn't pass his fucking real estate exam because he was having to spend all of his time mm-hmm. on MEW. It was the week after That's we folded. very relatable. The week after we folded, he finally passed his real estate exam. You know, it so checks that, out. That pissed. <laughs> Pepperbottom, I love you to death, but fuck you for that promo. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. But fuck you for that, but I love you to death. But anyway, if you want to buy a house in the state of Georgia, go hit up at Big Mike Sells on social media. He'll take care of you. Carmen, is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, to quote a great theologian, uh, you may know him as Mr. Uh, Jimothy Cornett. Mm. Uh, on behalf of everyone listening, thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Thanks for hanging out. <laughs>